Organ harvesting, China style, and it ain't pretty. It's a very, very disturbing story coming up. Glenn Beck, censored, big time censored, still don't know why. And Xbox and hate speech. What? Hmm, yeah. It's full of crap. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Happy Thursday. Hey, yeah, woke up to a brand new day. Thursday is here, and uh, that means it's one day before Friday, which is always a good thing. All that and more coming up tonight on the show. We have lots going on tonight, and we want to get right to it. First of all, we got to tell you, though, about one of our sponsors. They uh, just appreciate your patience. Just take a second here to tell you about Blackout Coffee the most amazing coffee company on earth. They were founded on the principles of conservative values. The founders believe in the importance of hard work, personal responsibility, family, respect, and our American values. This owner of this company cares about two things, making a damn good cup of coffee, which he does, and the United States of America and all of our values. They source premium specialty grade green coffee beans grown at the perfect altitude, perfect time of year, best soil, harvested at just the right time. They use local American co-ops and farmers. American farmers, American co-ops, totally 100% American company that grow this high quality coffee. Roasted, packed, and shipped with lightning speed, usually 24 to 48 hours uh, from your order. That means you get the beans just days after they have been roasted. I'll tell you, folks, I've been a coffee drinker all my life, and there is absolutely nothing like blackout coffee. I live on this stuff. It's amazing. Hang on. Mm. And you can get yourself a special discount if you use the link in our show notes. That's the top link in our show notes there. And if you use our promo code at checkout, you will get 20% off your first order, which is a huge discount. Our promo code is J20, my first name, J-A-Y-20, is our promo code. We get you 20% off your first order at Blackout Coffee. Go ahead, go over to the site, just check it out. Try a bag. Just order one bag if you want. Try it. You will be back because you will fall in love like I did with this amazing American coffee. They help support our troops, our first responders. Thank you, Blackout Coffee, for uh, helping to sponsor the show. And thank you, folks, for getting out there and uh, and also helping to support the show by uh, making a purchase from one of our sponsors. Really do appreciate that. Helps a lot. All right, let's get right to it. This is, uh, I saw this story today and I thought, mm, do I really want to share this? Because it's freaky. But I think it ought to be shared because it's important. We talk about human trafficking, child trafficking, all those horrible things. Mostly it's sex trafficking. But this story from the Epic Times is beyond belief. This is a Chinese doctor. The quote in the headlines is, He was alive. A tormented Chinese doctor recounts harvesting organs in the back of a van. Stepping into the van guarded by armed soldiers with five surgeons and nurses, Zhang Zi did not know he was entering into a world that would haunt him 
for the next 25 years. He was a resident doctor at one of China's largest military hospitals, uh, knew little more than they were on a secret military mission. That's all they told him. Near a military prison located around the northeast eastern China city of Dalian. A light blue fabric covered four sides of the vehicle, shielding it from any curious glances. When the door opened, four burly soldiers carried in a man whose limbs were bound with thin ropes that had cut deeply into his flesh. The man was no more than 18 years old. His organs, the surgical crew, had been told the day before were healthy and fresh. The doctor, was in, uh, the doctor instructed Dr. Zhang to step on the man's legs and don't let him move. He pressed the man's legs down with his hands and to his shock they were warm to the touch. Blood now flowing from the man's throat. He watched a doctor slice this is horrible. He watched a doctor slice open the man's stomach and two others reach in and each remove a kidney. The man's legs twitched, his throat moved, although no sound came out. Dr. Zhang looked at the man's face. Staring back at him was a pair of wide open eyes. This was horror beyond words. He was looking right at me, Dr. Zhang is quoted as saying. His eyelids were moving. He was alive. Unbelievable. The van in 1994 did little... Little did he know he was party to what would soon become an industrialized killing apparatus set up to extract organs from prisoners of conscience and sell them on demand. In the van, he told the other doctors, I can't do this. He felt his brain empty out as he sat there, shaking, sweating, paralyzed. The doctor across from him immediately pressed the man's head to the floor of the van, with two fingers pressed on the eyelids and a hemostat in another hand, the doctor clamped out each of the man's eyes. I'm not going to keep going on this story because it's too disgusting. But you need to read this. You need to find out that it's happening. Open your eyes. A billion dollar industry. This happened in 1994. Chinese regime's mass-scale state-sanctioned forced organ harvesting still in its infancy. It soon ballooned into a billion-dollar industry using prisoners of conscience, basically political prisoners. In the same city as the hospital was the Sujantun concentration camp which multiple whistleblowers revealed as a mass killing ground of imprisoned Falun Gong adherents for their organs. Dr. Zhang, just one of several witnesses that have come forth to expose this 
grizzly practice, which is still unbelievably going on today. Absolutely unbelievable. U.S. lawmakers have taken steps to prevent Americans from embarking on transplant tourism to China. In June, Texas adopted the country's first law to counter the issue, banning health insurers from financing organ transplant surgeries which are linked to China. The story goes on and on and on, and it just gets worse and worse. I encourage you to read it, but I will warn you before you click that link, take a deep breath and get prepared, because the story is frightening. And like I said, this was 1994, 20 over years ago, more than that, almost 30. It's still happening today. You think all this nice, oh yeah, lovely Chinese Communist Party, such great people. The WEF is back in the news for reasons that will really make you shake your head. They have, now get this headline, they have ordered Firefox, Chrome, and Safari, the web browsers, you probably use one of them, to start blocking blacklisted websites. Where the hell does the WEF get off ordering anybody to do anything. You are non-elected buffoons. Stories from the peoplevoice.tv. They've instructed major web browsers to begin blocking websites they've deemed undesirable by the globalist elites. WEF-controlled nation of France the first to issue a legal directive, legal directive to web browsers to block websites listed on a blacklist compiled by the Macron regime. Calling the plan well-intentioned yet dangerous, Mozilla warns the young global leader Emmanuel Macron is plowing ahead with plans to force web browsers, like Firefox, to create a dystopian technical capability, allowing the globalist elites to regulate what we see online and what we're allowed to access. In a world in which browsers can be forced to incorporate a list of banned websites at the software level that simply just, they just don't open, either regional or globally, is a world a worrying prospect that raises serious concerns about freedom of expression. If it successfully passes into law, this precedent would set would make it much harder for browsers to reject these kind of requests from other governments. Since the deep state is having trouble containing the spread of what they call misinformation via content providers, publishers, Facebook, Google, X. It's apparently switching tactics to go after the browsers themselves. You can't get the content providers to 
censor your stuff. So we'll go after the browser so you just can't even access the website. From this blacklist of websites that they determine they don't like. <laughs> wow. Wow. Read the whole article. It is in our show notes. It is scary, and it is no coincidence. It really isn't. <laughs> when these get scheduled, I don't know what stories I'm putting around them, but here we go. One of our great sponsors here is NordVPN. And if there was ever, ever evidence that you need a VPN, well, I just read the story. In today's digital age, online privacy, security, your ability to access websites, more important than ever before. And NordVPN is the perfect solution. Look, I know you've thought about it. You said, yeah, yeah, maybe, but I probably really don't. You need one. You need a VPN. And NordVPN, you can browse the web securely, privacy, all your personal data is protected. You, you cannot be hacked by snoopers and hackers. Even, you know, even your own internet service provider collects your data and sells it your data, and all your online behavior. NordVPN has military-grade encryption technology, ensures your data stays safe. Not only does it protect your personal in, uh, information, but they also unlock a world of online content. 5,000 servers, 59 countries. You can access your favorite websites, even if they're blocked from your browser. Streaming services anywhere in the world, and with a single NordVPN account, you can protect up to six devices. So you got your handphone, your laptop, your wife, your husband, your partner's handphone, laptop, one of your kids maybe. Six devices from a single NordVPN account. Easily connect with any server, just the click of the button. It couldn't be easier. If you're not tech savvy, it doesn't matter. You boot the app, you click one button, boom, you're protected. 24-7 customer service, always available to help you with any questions or concerns. NordVPN, use our special link in the show notes and you will get that deal up to 65% off and three extra months free. NordVPN, it is more than worth the price, less than the price of a cup of coffee. And NordVPN, thank you folks for uh, sponsoring the show. We really appreciate you being part of it. All right. North Carolina coming through. <laughs> I love this story. Little bites, remember? That's what I always say. We always say that on this show. We're not going to win some big giant nuclear war against the left. It's going to take little bites. Everybody doing their part a little tiny bite at a time. And North Carolina took a mm, kind of big bite. The GOP-led General Assembly has overridden Democratic governor's 12-week abortion ban veto. Yes. North Carolina. I gotta say it like that, North Carolina. It just, it just comes out. I don't know why. Anyway, the Republican-led General Assembly moved Tuesday to ban most abortions after 12 weeks. Voted to override a veto from the governor, Roy Cooper. 72 to 48, right along party lines. Hours after the state Senate voted 30 to 20 to do the same. Three-fifths vote, both chambers, Republicans hold supermajorities, were needed to override the governor's... All right, enough with the ads, huh? 
seriously, to override the, uh, the governor's previous rejection of the member of measure. Cooper, the governor, had previously pressed on lawmakers to sustain his veto. Uh, he said, North Carolinians now understand that Republicans are unified in their assault on women's reproductive freedom, and we are energized to fight back in this and other critical issues. Basically, the Senate and the House said, nope, we're overriding it. So, done. Thank you very much. You're finished. Goodbye. <laughs> Like I said, I love these stories when they happen. Fantastic. All right. Got a post uh, on uh, X, which doesn't fit into anything we're necessarily talking about, but it's more than a little fascinating. This is from Tara Bull, at Tara Bull 808. Hat tip to you, Tara. And uh, <laughs> this is amazing. This is absolutely Amazing. You got to listen close. Listen very closely to what this news host says at the end of this clip. It's a very short clip. Who were Trump voters and are still Trump supporters. They go, yeah, you guys are going crazy. He's doing, what are you so surprised about? He's doing exactly what he said he's going to do. Well, and I think that the dangerous, you know, edges here are that he's trying to undermine the media, trying to make up his own facts. And it could be that while unemployment and uh, the, the economy worsens, he could have undermined the messaging so much that he can actually control right. uh, exactly what people think. And that is, the, that is our you... job. <laughs> that is our job. That's what she said. Control what the voters think. And that's our job. Um, newsflash. No, it ain't. Unbelievable. They just say the quiet part out loud. They're, they're not afraid. They're not afraid to just come out and say it. All right. A little bit of a follow-up on Obama's chef. I told you we take these stories that are going to go out of the news cycle and we keep them alive as best we can. When we see new information, we bring it to you. This is another uh, X post Michelle FJB Michelle RM 68 and uh, I included this in our show notes tonight so you could check it out share it if you want Obama's chef as you know tragically died it was about two months ago so why are the police still refusing to release the 911 call that call may very well identify even who's the second paddleboarder and the witness who was and who exactly called 911 Supposedly, it was a woman, but since Michelle Obama does not sound like a woman, it maybe was one of her daughters. They were both staying at the residence at the time of the incident. Now, the police have refused to turn over virtually any information due to what they claim is an ongoing investigation. But they have already made the statement that the death has been labeled not suspicious. So if it's not suspicious, I would think your investigation is pretty much done. Now, legally, they can't withhold the 911 call if there's nothing to investigate. And at this point, maybe dirty cops, maybe protecting the elites. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. 
But where is the 911 call? Who were the witnesses? Who was the second paddleboarder? If, indeed, as the police have said, the death has been labeled not suspicious, there should be nothing more to investigate, and so it's not currently under investigation. Why can't we have the information? Keep asking the questions, folks, and don't give up. Don't forget on this news story, just because it's been a couple of months and it's out of the headlines, don't let it go away. Nancy Pelosi. Notice how quiet she's been lately? Where's Nancy Pelosi? I don't know. I mean, I know she's not speaker anymore, of course, thank God, but she used to have her face stuck in the... I mean, there wasn't a camera she didn't like. Well, this story popped from Just the News, John Solomon's site. <laughs> Get this. The, the headline alone is all you need to know. Workers at Nancy Pelosi Federal Building in San Francisco have been told to work from home. What? Another COVID outbreak? Another variant? No. They've been told to work from home because of crime. There was a memo issued the same day as the White House urged cabinet members to aggressively urge staffers to return to work in person. The Department of Health and Human Services telling hundreds of California-based employees to work from home for the foreseeable future because of the rising crime in areas surrounding the Nancy Pelosi Federal Building in San Francisco. Can you imagine? You're being told not to go out because of rising crime. Did we defund the police? Are you happy with that one? In light of the conditions at the federal building, we recommend employees maximize the use of telework for the foreseeable future. So, go ahead. Defund the police. Maybe your social workers can get in there and help control the criminal element. Because of the rising crime, please work from... Can you, can you even imagine? Oh, yeah, and everything's fine. Everything's great. All right. This story broke earlier today. Glenn Beck even uh, put a bit of a, uh, a quick X post up there. But the weirdest, weirdest story, and we still don't know why big tech keeps taking this whole censorship crap and running with it. Apple removed and then restored all of Glenn Beck's podcasts from iTunes. There's Glenn. He does a great job, by the way. If you're not subscribed to Glenn Beck, you should be. He posted on X, formerly known as Twitter, that Apple suddenly decided, with no explanation, to restore his previous 3,000 over podcasts. Wednesday, yesterday, the Blaze founder, Glenn, Bla uh, Glenn Beck, re revealed that Apple suddenly removed all of his podcasts from the platform. You know, when he was reading a message from Apple, Beck said, We found an issue with your show, the Glenn Beck program, which must be removed before it's available on Apple Podcast. 
your show has been removed from the Apple Podcast. No explanation. You got a link for more details, and that link only states that his show has been removed. <laughs> Absolutely freedom of speech. Nothing that we have said that would warrant any removal. Beck said, probably a glitch, but stressed, it's amazing. We now have a whole bunch of people pointing out the glitch before the glitch is found and it's put back. They can dump you at the push of a button and don't think they won't. Oh, they will. Oh, yeah. Wow, Russia's been doing some stuff. Two. Russian MIL has accused the U.S. of releasing bioweapons to create crisis situations. You know, I still think if it's going to start, it's going to be China, probably over Taiwan. But Russia is... Russia's pushing the buttons. Not those buttons. Claims the U.S. is planning on doing it again. Russia has just accused the ruling families of the DNC and Big Pharma of creating COVID in the, U uh, in the Ukraine and using it to take over the world. This is, uh, this is the Russian, now it's in Russian, so I'm not going to play this, it doesn't make any sense. But what he's basically saying, translated, is thus, as in 2019, the U.S. has begun preparing for a new pandemic by searching for virus mutations. We do not rule out that the United States will use so-called defensive technologies for offensive purposes, as well as for global governance by creating crisis situations of a biological nature. <laughs> it may be that World War III has already started, and the first launch was a virus. Don't think I'm kidding. I'm not. I'm serious as a heart attack. Hey, by the way, our um, our chat's open always, our live chat. You can pop in there if you want to make a comment, say anything. I'll, uh, I'll see it. I've got the live chat open here so we can respond. We've got a few people do that. And by the way, please don't forget, if you're watching in, hit that follow button. It's right there, little green follow button right below my finger. And that will really help the show out a lot. Cost you nothing. We don't spam your inbox. It really does help us, though. All right. Speaking of um, censorship, Xbox. This is the weirdest story. But it's yet another way that they're sliming their way into your lives and controlling what you think and say and speak. Xbox could ban players from games they purchased under new hate speech and profanity strikes system. You bought your Xbox. You bought the game to play. Seems to me you ought to be able to say and do just about anything you want to, other than, you know, threatening people's lives, violence, that kind of thing. Xbox shakes up its disciplinary measures this week with the introduction of a new strike-based enforcement policy. You know, like on YouTube or Twitch or wherever it is, you, 
you do something against the rules, they give you a strike. And then in so many strikes, you get muted or you lose your account or whatever. Targeted promoting clearer communications, it's essential to explore the potential implications on free speech and the concept of censorship in the video game space. Look, I know you may not play video games. I don't. I used to. I gave all that up many years ago. But it's huge. Even here on Rumble, there are huge followers on the gaming channel. Check them out. They're amazing. And amazing channels, too. If you're into that sort of thing, we uh, right here on Rumble, we've got tons of gaming uh, broadcasts, live streams, recorded videos. Anyway, it's a whole world unto itself and not necessarily one that ought to be banning people from the games that they've already paid for simply for something they've said. But that's exactly what's happening. Xbox revamped its main, um, uh, mechanisms for maintaining speech control within player communities. It assigns a strike for each violation, see that's what we're talking about, of the community standards for Xbox. The weight of this punishment translates directly from the severity of the infringement. So-called hate speech, profanity, harassment among the behaviors that could get players a strike. And there's a chart here which shows you the severity of it. Again, Xbox, we bought your machine. We bought the games. And now you're going to try and control our freedom of speech. I would suggest if it exists, and I'm sure it does, I'm like I said, I'm not familiar with the gaming industry much. I don't know what platforms are out there, but there's got to be options to Xbox. I'm quite sure. Use one. Dump your Xbox. Have you flown recently? No? I have not flown in many years, come to think of it. When you fly, would you like to know that your air traffic controllers, your pilots, are all hired and trained based on their ability to do the job? That would be kind of a good thing, yeah? I know, say, if I were going to be wheeled into the operating room to have uh, some kind of surgery... I would probably want to know that the doctor who was going to cut open my chest was hired and doing the job because he has an outstanding ability to do that job. Not that he was hired because of his race. Well, to get back to the airline analogy, it's not an analogy. The FAA should rely on ability, not race in hiring air traffic controllers. Almost more important than pilots. Tragedy nearly struck about six months ago when a FedEx cargo plane and a Southwest jet came to within 100 feet of each other. And with jets, that is a hair. An air traffic controller somehow cleared both planes for takeoff and landing on the same runway at Austin Bergstrom International Airport in Texas. 
Disaster averted February 22nd because of the quick action of the FedEx plane's pilot. The incident may have had more than one cause. One thing can be sure, the FAA track record in merit-based hiring is atrocious. The guy who wrote this article is the lead counsel in a class action lawsuit against the FAA. They're seeking relief for applicants who suffered racial discrimination in the hiring process. It may seem like light years ago when Obama aggressively pursued racial division in American society, and one of the ways he did this was in federal hiring. The Obama administration decided back in 2012 that the racial makeup of the FAA's air traffic controllers did not reflect the general population. Air traffic controllers at the time came from two main sources, military veterans and graduates of the College Training Initiative, partnership between the FAA and 36 different colleges. They decided to rely on woefully inadequate personality tests called the Biographical Assessment. Basically, the FAA was, and is still, engaging in race-based social engineering for air traffic controllers. Never mind, can you do the job? Have you been trained? Are you good at it? Do you have the right melanin content in your skin? That's more important. We just had, by the way, a horrific, horrific private jet air crash here in uh, Malaysia today. Uh, there were, again, details were sketchy the last I saw. I don't want to misquote, but I believe what I read was there were eight people on the jet, the private jet, all passed away. A motorcyclist, on it landed on the highway. It crashed on a highway videos were horrific. I didn't have enough time to put it together, but um, one motorcyclist and one uh, driver in a car also lost their lives from the crash. It was horrific, and they were two minutes away from the airport. Very close. No details, no cause, but uh, that happened here today in uh, in my country. It's frightening. I <laughs> One more, and then we're going to move on over to our uh, to our book. Oh, man. Hang on a second. Where is this? Okay. Can we get this full screen or something? I don't know. Let's see if we can. We got to. We got to. Okay. I don't need the sound. Okay. Here we go. You ready? Oh, man. Get ready. It's You know, this show's been full of nothing but crap, bad news all night. So it's time to lighten it up to the nth degree. Watch this. It'll make you smile. We could all use a smile. This is simply called Puppy Dance. Ah, <laughs> oh, play it again, play it again. Watch this. Boom, 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 boom. Your turn. And away you go. <laughs> oh, man. That is beyond precious. <laughs> like I said, 
We all need a little something to kick us in the ass and give us a laugh now and then. All right. It is time to move on to our book. We finished 1984 from George Orwell a few nights ago. And then we started another George Orwell book called Animal Farm. I'm sure you've heard of it. Maybe you haven't read it. I read it years, a lot, maybe 30, 40 years ago when I was in my 20s. And uh, it was amazing then. It's I actually don't recall a lot of what I'm reading. So we'll rediscover it together. It's Animal Farm to, from uh, George Orwell first published in 1944. Wow. And we are beginning chapter two. Three nights later, old Major died peacefully in his sleep. His body was buried at the foot of the orchard. This was early in March. During the next three months, there was very much secret activity. Major's speech had given to the more intelligent animals on the farm a completely new outlook on life. They didn't know when the rebellion predicted by Major would take place. They had no reason for thinking it would be within their own lifetime. But they saw clearly that it was their duty to prepare for it. The work of teaching, organizing the others, fell naturally upon the pigs, who were generally recognized as being the cleverest of the animals. Preeminent among the pigs were two young boars named Snowball and Napoleon, whom Mr. Jones was breeding up for sale. Napoleon was a large, rather fierce-looking Berkshire boar, the only Berkshire on the farm, not much of a talker, but with the reputation for getting his own way. Snowball was a more vivacious pig than Napoleon, quicker in speech, more inventive, but was not considered to have the same depth of character. All the other male pigs on the farm were porkers, the best known among them a small fat pig named Squealer, with very round cheeks, twinkling eyes, nimble movements, and a shrill voice. He was a brilliant talker, and when he was arguing some difficult point, he had a way of skipping from side to side and whisking his tail, which was somehow very persuasive. The others said of Squealer, he could turn black into white. These three had elaborated old Major's teachings into a complete system of thought, to which they gave the name Animalism. Several nights a week after Mr. Jones was asleep, they held secret meetings in the barn expounded the principles of animalism to the others. At the beginning, they met with much stupidity and apathy. Some of the animals talked of the duty of loyalty to Mr. Jones, whom they referred to as Master, or made elementary remarks such as, Mr. Jones feeds us. If he were gone, we would starve to death. Others asked such questions as, why should we care what happens after we're dead? Or, if this rebellion is to happen anyway, what difference does it make whether we work for it or not? And the pigs had great difficulty in making them see that this was contrary to the spirit of animalism. The stupidest questions of all were asked by Molly, the white mare. The very first question she asked Snowball was, 
Will there be sugar after the rebellion? No, said Snowball firmly. We have no means of making sugar on this farm. Besides, you don't need sugar. You have all the oats and hay you want. And shall I be allowed to wear ribbons in my mane? asked Molly. Comrade, said Snowball, those ribbons you're so devoted to are the badge of slavery. Can you not understand that liberty is worth more than ribbons? Molly agreed, but she didn't sound very convinced. The pigs had an even harder struggle to counteract the lies put about by Moses, the tame raven. Moses, who was Mr. Jones' special pet, was a spy, a tale-bearer, but he was also a clever talker. He claimed to know of the existence of a mysterious country called Sugar Candy Mountain, to which all animals went when they died. It was situated somewhere up in the sky, a little distance beyond the clouds, Moses said. In Sugar Candy Mountain it was Sunday, seven days a week. Clover was in season all year round, and lump sugar and linseed cake grew on the hedges. The animals hated Moses because he told tales and did no work. But some of them believed in Sugar Candy Mountain, and the pigs had to argue very hard to persuade them that there was no such place. Their most faithful disciples were the two cart horses, Boxer and Clover. These two had great difficulty in thinking anything out for themselves, but Having once accepted the pigs as their teachers, they absorbed everything they were told, and passed it on to the other animals by simple arguments. They were unfailing in their attendance at secret meetings in the barn, and led the singing of Beasts of England, in which the meetings always ended. Now, as it turned out, the rebellion was achieved much earlier and more easily than anyone had expected. In the past years, Mr. Jones, although a hard master, had been a capable farmer, but of late he'd fallen on evil days. He'd become much disheartened after losing money in a lawsuit, and had taken to drinking more than was good for him. For whole days at a time he'd lounge in his Windsor chair in the kitchen, reading newspapers, drinking, occasionally feeding Moses on crust of bread soaked in beer. His men were idle, dishonest. The fields were full of weeds. The buildings wanted roofing. The hedges were neglected. And the animals were underfed. June came. The hay was almost ready for cutting. On Midsummer's Eve, which was a Saturday, Mr. Jones went into Wildington got so drunk the red lion that he did not come back till midday on Sunday. The men had milked the cows in the early morning and gone out rabbiting without bothering to feed the animals. And when Mr. Jones got back, he immediately went to sleep on the drawing-room sofa with news of the world over his face, so that when evening came, the animals were still unfed. At last... 
They could stand it no longer. One of the cows broke in the door of the store shed with her horn, and the animals began to help themselves from the bins. It was just then that Mr. Jones woke up. The next moment he and his four men were in the store shed with whips in their hands, lashing out in all directions. This was more than the hungry animals could bear. With one accord, though nothing of the kind had been planned beforehand, they flung themselves on their tormentors. Jones and his men suddenly found themselves being butted and kicked from all sides. The situation was quite out of control. They'd never seen animals behave like this before, and the sudden uprising of creatures, whom they used to thrashing and maltreating just as they chose, frightened them almost out of their wits. After only a moment or two, they gave up trying to defend themselves and took to their heels. A minute later, all five of them were in full flight down the cart track that led to the main road, with the animals pursuing them in triumph. Wow. And that's where we will chop it off for tonight. We'll continue this on tomorrow's episode, George Orwell's Animal Farm. Hey, thanks so much for popping by. I really do appreciate it. Please take a second, hit that follow button right there. It really helps the show out a lot and uh, cost you nothing. It's absolutely free. We don't spam your inbox. So just give it a click and thank you for that. And I will see you again tomorrow. <laughs>